This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Browns Film Breakdown podcast, on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, I want to talk to you guys about Harry's Razors. This is a continual thing for me here on Browns Film Breakdown. I'm a big believer in the Harry's product, and they're going to offer you guys a great deal. All you got to do is go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lather shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders are tired of overpaying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned so harry's bought a world-class blade factory in germany got to business and that's when they began making quality blades for over 95 years so join the 10 million who have tried harrys.com claim your free trial offer there by going to harrys.com slash blue wire all of harry's blades come with a 100 quality guarantee if you don't love your shave let them know and they'll give you a full refund Again, support Blue Wire and support Harry's Razors by going to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your free razor for $3. And we're off. Welcome to Brown's Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for cleveland.com, coming at you guys here on a on a Thursday evening, right, of a, of a, a busy last week before... Uh, we hit training camp next week, so it's going to be the last lazy week here before we really get into uh, nonstop Browns content starting Thursday of training camp, kind of carrying us into the season. It'll be uh, full tilt, full go all the time. We'll be getting a ton of Browns information. As often as you can possibly consume it, you'll be getting more and more content. But instead of looking back on content, we'll be able to talk about things in the future, which will be exciting. I will have you guys know everything at Cleveland.com I've been covering leading up to this team has basically been covering every position. We've covered Baker Mayfield ad nauseum. We've covered the running backs, Duke Johnson, uh, what Kareem Hunt can bring to the fold, the wide receivers, favorite routes, tight ends, who Demetrius Harris is, how David Njoku takes his game to the next level. We've also talked about offensive line, how they rank. We've got a long position rankings uh, concept going. We'll get to defensive backs tomorrow, and then we'll finish up with special teams next week, tally the whole thing up, see who the f- division favorite is on paper. Then before you know it, it'll be training camp time come Thursday. So if you want to read about pretty much any position, go back, check the work at cleveland.com on my Twitter feed. You're going to be able to find anybody you want to find, sort of where they need to improve, how they're going to be a big impact player with the Browns this year, and sort of how the AFC North division ranks up. Also, plenty of conversations in there about Madden, how the Browns came out on Madden 20, all of that good stuff. All of that is available for you to read, too. Not much news on the Browns front this week. Uh, Relatively silent heading into camp. I'm sure things will pick up late next week. We will have plenty of discussion about new topics, what's trending, what's it look like out there on the field, all of that stuff. So you guys will feel like you are live at training camp. So expect that pod 
late next week. But until then, have a great guest. We're going to talk hot takes, some predictions, all of that fun stuff we will cover. Um, Yeah, so we're going to jump over to our guest, and we will be right back. All right, so as we know, this is the last boring week of Browns off-season coverage. We will actually get into Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next week. Some mini camp, or sorry, now this is training camp tidbits and insider info. But until then, I thought no better entertaining guest than my man Jeff D. Lowe, who covers the Browns for Barstool Sports and is the co-host of the best movie podcast in the land, Lights Camera Pod. My man, how you doing, Jeff? Good. How are you? Pumped. Uh, pumped yeah. to actually talk to you, like, not around the draft, like, actually before football is played. <laughs> yeah, dude. This is it's exciting. I mean, this is as, as big a season as the Browns have had since, I would say, 2008. And I think everybody around the 2008 time felt like 2007 was a little bit fluky. This doesn't feel fluky. This feels like a team everybody thinks has. And it's not just us. It's not just this Browns corner of the universe not just twitter but even outside of twitter but it is it is national media members who have no bias who have have mocked the browns for years a good majority of them feel like the browns are the team to be in the afc north so we are not doing any homerism here on browns from breakdown we are just going to talk about the favorite in the afc north and i i tossed it to jeff i said hey man I've, I, we, we do enough positional breakdown, but I want to know your hot takes. I want to know what you truly believe, whether good or bad, is going to transpire in the 20, uh, 2019 season. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in your lap, Jeff. Tell me one by one. We'll, we'll discuss each one. Give me your five hot takes. Five hot takes. Let's start out. Let's start out with, with, with the first one. The first one, I, I guess it's a hot take. The first one, I think they're going to start out three and four. That, that, that's my first hot take. Um, do you want me to, wait, so you mean to keep rattling off, though? No, let's talk about three and four. So, obviously, they I'm pulling okay. up the schedule. I just want to make sure we go through the schedule, make sure they're all right. I want to know which games you got them losing. So, uh, so Titans, I, the I, opener. I they, they open up with two wins. Okay, so they win their first home opener since, like, what, 2004? Um, that would be huge. <laughs> this is Jeff Garcia. Yep, Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia. Uh, Ravens at home. Yep. Then they go Jets. You think they win there? Then they lo- lose back-to-back. Game Sunday night home against the Rams and at Baltimore. Yeah, so I think they lose uh, against the Rams. I do think they lose in Baltimore. It just makes way too much sense, and I think it's like a good building block for them too. I think I can see that being like a fluke loss too, like not even like a legit, like a, like a fluke loss where they kind of get caught and they're like, all right, we gotta focus up early on in the season. I think they're going to beat the Niners, which I think a lot of people think they're going to lose to the Niners, I feel like. I've seen a lot of people saying that they're going to roll into San Francisco. And I know San Francisco's potential to be good, but I, don't consider me a, a buyer of the 49ers. Now, then I do think they beat the Seahawks for their third win, and then I think they probably get absolutely drubbed in New England. Okay, so yeah, that's fair. I think all of those games are certainly... The Seahawks home game, I feel like they have an advantage. I feel like they probably go 4-3, and three. Um, they sneak in a game at Baltimore. I think they, they win that one or that Sunday night game. But I like it, three and four. But if you get three and four through this beginning, listen to this, you know, five-game stretch. Two of them are against the Steelers, which, uh, you know, the Steelers could go either way. They're an enigma. They could, they have enough talent to still be the division's best team, or they could just sort of bottom out if they don't have Antonio Brown and that offense doesn't click like they're hoping it clicks. And they lost Mike Munchak, their offensive line coach. We'll see how it all goes. But they do play in the midst of the next five games. Uh, Denver, 
Buffalo, Miami. Then they go after the two Pittsburgh games, they go to, uh, they host the Bengals and they go to Carolina. So it's like, if they can go three and four, you look at it and say one, two, three, four, five, six of those games left are very winnable games. And then if you sneak in one win against Pittsburgh, all of a sudden, Jeff, you're looking at 10 wins and that's probably a playoff team, right? Well, that's, I think that's kind of my next hot take. My next hot take is that I think they're going to finish seven and two. Uh, I think they do lose probably one of the Pittsburgh games. I, I, I'd actually now because I want them to win at home at night, but I would like them to actually win in Pittsburgh, which they haven't done in so long. They just play um, dead in Pittsburgh. It's bizarre. I mean, it, it was it was the Tim Couch Sunday Night Football game, um, mm-hmm. uh, which back when it was not even on NBC, it was on ESPN. Yep. Um, and I forget who had someone had a long interception turn for a touchdown. I often look that up. My nostalgia. I'm missing out my nostalgia here. Uh, but yeah, Tim Couch had a huge game, so I would like that. But I'll say they lose on the road, and then I can see them dropping. I have, like of all those games, the ones I can see them dropping the most probably like the Cardinals, like a weird loss there. Like Baker too hyped to face Kyler and to face Cliff, or like the Bengals, like they're nine and uh, like they're ten and five, like they've already clinched. I think the last game doesn't mean much. Kind of pull people against the Bengals. I could see that. So I, I think I think seven and two. That's my second hot take. I do think they end very strong. But I will say too, if they start off four and three, if they start off five and two, I I do think they're still going to rattle off those six seven wins at the end of the season. Like no matter what, that that's like my thing. If I were to do a hundred different predictions for the season, the seven and two would be set, and it all comes down to those first seven games. Is is where or uh, those. Uh, yeah, first seven games is, is where they pick up their wins, where they pick up their loss. I think that's where the season's made. I think they're going to have the chemistry, and they're going to be good enough to romp through that second half. They just got to make sure they come out of that first set with at least three wins. If they come out like that, I think I, you have some pretty good confidence in them. And then three is probably underselling it, too, because those are very winnable games. I think the one that actually worries me the most is the game at home on NBC against the Rams. I think that's the one, like the first primetime game. I like that they're playing on the road in primetime before they go home in primetime. I think that's a big help, kind of get the juices flowing somewhere else. Baker likes, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the road crowd. I'll be at that Jets game. I've never seen the Browns win in person in my life, so that's why I know they're <laughs> going to beat the Jets. I'm, I'm due for it. Um, so I do think that helps, but I, I could totally, out of those games, you know, I did say they get drunk by the Patriots, I feel like you just kind of have to say that at this point. I think yeah. the game that is like the biggest disaster potential would be the Rams game, just because it all seems to line up with like an early season season thing where they learn a lesson and they they kind of go, all right, let's take a step back, let's look at what we got. You know, it's early, we're still going to grow. So that's kind of the trap game. And again, that's the first time like, the Browns have played since, uh, at home week two to the Steelers in 2008, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Edwards dropped like. 10 passes, I think, that night. So uh, that's another big high point. I don't want to oversimplify it, but it, it, it really could be an oversimplification. But I just think the opener is so important for this group. Like, it's, and not even just this group, but like the, the, the changing of the culture, the kind of air quoting culture there, that we're all believing the Browns are for real. The hype will be outrageous for the opener. And if they come into the opener and they lose to, to the Titans, I just feel like, Jeff, that'll be so deflating for them. Not that it's burying their season, but it will, it could have those sort of lasting ramifications. Then, then they go into a Sunday night game 
or Monday night game against the Jets, and if you carry over that lingering, you could all of a sudden be 0-2, then you're hosting the Rams, and then you're playing the Ravens on the road, and you got to make another long West Coast road trip the following week on, on, on Monday night football. If you lose that home opener... It just could be weird, man. That's all I'm saying. It's like then everybody starts piling on about this team isn't. The Browns are who we thought they were. They're always the same old Browns. I just think that that home opener, if they win the home opener, you could feel the difference that they haven't felt. They haven't felt that way after after week one in so long, 2004, that it would just set the tone for what could be a great year. I just feel like if the Titans come in with, you know, sort of this average Marcus Mariota and, and you know, just these, these sort of weird little weapons like um, – you know, De- Derrick Henry, and and then they're obviously Deion Lewis. Like, they just it just would feel weird to lose that game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I do think it helps a lot that they haven't won in so many years. I think that that's something. Like it's it's like it's funny for me to sit here and say like, oh, I hope they beat you know the Rams on Sunday Night Football the first time they've been there in however many years. Like none of the players give a shit about that. Right? No one, none of them care about that. They don't. Yeah, yeah. they just that, that, it's not relevant to them. It's relevant to us. The home, the home game thing is, I think, more relevant because it's a more concrete stat. Like, you want to win for your home fans in the first game of the season, or just the first game of the season, period. Because I guess they did win the home opener against the Saints a couple years ago. Well, girl, if you still want to win that week one game, like, this team has not won in week one in so long. And I do think that's something that I could see Freddie plucking, where the other thing, the NBC you know, thing, Monday Night Football, whatever. Like, that's just, that's a fan thing. This one, I think, is important. And I think the thing that helps in the second game as well is that the Jets, I think, they'll win their first game against the Bills. And then they go in Monday Night Football at, at home. They've already had their home, home opener. Opening juice won't be there for the Jets. They're going to be there on Monday Night Football. And the next week, they play the Patriots. So they may be thinking ahead to that already. Um, I'm the big Gase guy, so I'm hoping he's going to be a lunatic and <laughs> thinking ahead to the <laughs> Patriots after a 1-0 start. So I think yeah. those first two games do play into their hands perfectly, and then the irony there is that if the Browns are two and zero, they roll into that LA game where you know things could be different. I'm sure McVay's going to be back in Ohio on a win. So they, uh, it, it's funny because I think the tables turn completely after that Jets game, regardless of how they start, especially at two and zero, where things kind of get a little serious for you know for for a very tough stretch before getting easy. But you're right; it, it does come down to that first. They have to win that first game. Like they just. They have to, and I, I actually don't have nerves for that. I'm like more nerves for the second game. I'm sorry to Titans fans out there, but that just doesn't. It just it doesn't worry me because I do think they're going to come in with so much juice. And I think they're just going to blow the doors off the place. Yeah, because that five game stretch of Rams at Ravens, at the Niners, home for the Seahawks, and then at New England is it's pretty. That's pretty damn brutal. That 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 stretch is probably as tough as any team in the league will face over a five. Uh, a clean five weeks with no bye week. So, okay, let's do number three. What's your third hot take? I, by the way, I want to say it was David McCutcheon had that interception return for a touchdown. Uh, That's yes. what it was. It's Went up twenty nine nothing on Tommy. Tommy just, you know, a little while before Tommy Bennett's career got buried. Uh, so, next hot take. Uh, I'm I'm the number one Antonio Callaway stand. I think at the end of the year, Antonio Callaway will be considered the Browns' second best wide receiver. Ooh, I don't even like that's take. not even a hot take to me. That's I think it a is a little take. bit of a hot That's, take. It's a, people love Jarvis. People love Jarvis. So I think that, and I'm a big, you know, you know me. You follow me. We talk all the time. I'm a big Higgins believer. Uh, but if you're if you're looking at natural skill, uh, you know, guys who can run, make people miss, get away from people, create separation. It's tough to argue if Antonio Callaway is as in shape and as understanding of schemes and all of that stuff as they're they're barking about. I think that it is it is probably classified a lukewarm take, my man. 
It is. It for, but okay. It probably is not take for me. Not again. That is. I am the number one Antonio Callaway guy. I was a huge defender of his early on in the season. He had a couple games where he had some big drops. Uh, one against New Orleans. One against Oakland. And then he came back. Actually, and he did it against the Jets as well. In all three of those games, weeks two, three, and four, he came back with a big play later on. New Orleans, he had that fourth down touchdown. The Jets, he had a, he had a third down conversion where he stretched out. That Baker made a great throw, but I, people kind of forget about that in the grand scheme of how that game played out. Against Peters, he had a play that got him down to the one-yard line, I believe. Was actually, no, yeah, he definitely didn't score. Um, so he he's he made big plays to recover, but I, people forget that he he fills in for Josh Gordon. Right, like that's that's a pretty big thing to have to do in your second game of your career. You have Josh Gordon; everyone thinks he's back, and then boom, he's gone. And this rookie comes on in, and he has to play in the shoes of a guy who's, you know, a much bigger target, much different target. And he's a rookie coming in, adapting with a rookie quarterback. I think the situation was terrible for Antonio Callaway. And then he had that pretty damn good stretch after uh, during the, the Steelers game. He caught that one touchdown, played pretty well against the Chiefs. Uh, and there for the most of the way throughout. I know he didn't play much against uh, the Bengals or the Panthers, but I, I loved the way Antonio Callaway closed out the year. And then, of course, the, the Texans game with the fumble, but that's just, I mean, you know, what, what are you going to do about that? That was that was still a bummer. I'm sure he's still thinking about that one. So I think he's going to come in ready to go, and he's going to be nowhere near the main focus of these defenses. I, I think they're going to look at Njoku before they look at him. I mean, they're obviously going to look at Odell and Jarvis Landry. And this guy's speed, I mean, we saw last year, when he, when he gets in the open field, he's almost uncatchable. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think that if you especially can consider the fact that he didn't play football his last year at Florida, he had an entire year off, um, you know, between playing in his last college game and playing his rookie year. And like you said, yeah, the guy was thrust into being the second receiver uh, and, and stretches was one of, you know, only the two healthy targets between him and Jarvis as, as Rashard Higgins went down that uh, he, he had a pretty successful year. I mean, if you look at guys who come into the league and then take the steps year one to year two, I mean, he was over 500 yards, tied the wide receiver group in touchdowns. Um, you know, I would consider his his rookie year an extreme success. Consider all things considered, didn't get hurt. He played the entire year, showed a little bit of the ability to return punts. So, like that stuff, it's it's interesting. I there's if you're looking at a guy who sort of takes the linear second step his second year when there are more weapons around him, can do what he's good at instead of being pressed into what he's not good at. He's going to do the things he's best at: run down the field, create separation on deep throws, and take the lid off defenses. I think that's a good take. I think that's a very fair take. All right, what's take four? Take four, I'm going to have to go with my man Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb will end the year considered to be one of the top three backs in the NFL. I think his year, I think Nick Chubb's year may – this this doesn't count as my fifth take, okay, because we're doing hot takes. It doesn't yep. count as my fifth take, but I think his year will be more notable than Baker's year. And that's not a knock on Baker. I just think Nick Chubb is that good. And I, I think a lot of people actually realize that. Like that's the thing. He's not even like an like an underappreciated player. I think people realize how good he is. But what I think people forget is that he didn't play a ton. <laughs> like he really didn't up until the back half of that year because for whatever reason, you know, rushing for nine hundred yards on two carries against the Raiders wasn't enough to convince you Jackson and Todd Haley to use him or whatever was going on between those two, which uh, one of them's gotta write a book one day. Whether I'm sure I won't believe Hugh's book, but someone's gotta write a book because something's going on there. Well, it's like what Baker it said in his, his ESP in the magazine piece, right? Like, 
I, I just I kind of found it super interesting that his quote was there there are things that you guys just couldn't believe. Um, so yeah, there probably does need to be a book. I don't know if that book will ever be written because it probably only entertains one little small faction of fans, but it is something I would love to know about. I mean, three rushes, 105 yards. I haven't looked, actually have not looked at his game log in a long time. I have it up right here. Three rushes, 105 yards the next game. He had the same amount of attempts and the same, the same amount of attempts. He only had two yards. So I'm sure he was like, ah, he's not good. Can't do it again. Or Haley. I, I, I won't even attribute that just to you. One of them probably said that. But, I mean, his year after that was just unbelievable. And he was one of the best backs in the league. He's almost impossible to bring down on the first touch. I, I just – and, and it, obviously he was a little overshadowed by Saquon. Like that, like there's just no doubt about it. Like it and there was good trouble with Saquon. It was unbelievable. But some people argue, like, you know, pound for pound, Chubb's season was, you could argue, maybe better. I think overall, again, it's it's hard to my, – my Penn State guy, hard to knock anything that Saquon did. Um, and I, I, I really hope the Giants don't run him into the ground. I hope they don't ruin his career this year. <laughs> I hope, hope Jay-Z and Rock Nation are protecting him. But uh, I, I do think Nick Chubb has the heralded season in Baker. I think he will end the year as a top three back. Now, that does mean <laughs> the line has to be good as well. But I'm not as worried about the line as other people are, well, partly because I don't want to be. Like, I just, I'm, like, I'm trying to go into the season without worrying. Right. Like, I just I don't yeah. think there's a point in doing that right now. Like I'm trying to just soak up the enjoyment. And there's a lot of people who said that not to get too off topic. But a lot of people have told me they're like, oh, 10 wins. Like, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Well, man, they were one in 31, two consecutive seasons. Like, what? like, I'm not going to sit here and worry. I'm just not like, like I'm they because they could go in 16. Who knows? Right. Like, it could, I've seen the worst possible. I don't want to have to deal with that again. I'm going to enjoy the fun while it lasts. So I'm not worried about the line right now. So all things aside, hot take, Nick Chubb, I think he's going to have a more heralded season. I mean, 192 attempts, and he had eight touchdowns, 996 yards, and he was, he was a top 10 back in the league last year. And he was barely used, barely used in the first three games, or four or five games, or however long it was. Yeah, he so, didn't, start till, Chubb, didn't start till week seven. Um, yeah, that's when Tampa I mean, he had the, game is when they gave him a start. Dorsey had to Billy Bean money ball a trade. <laughs> Just to get Hyde out of there to get Nick Chubb in, so it's like right. it's like. Uh, look, that, I'm not that, here to I'm not here to pick on Madden, but an 85 for Nick Chubb is not accurate. Like that guy. Yeah, that was. W- yeah, he's crazy. like the he he's like he was the highest graded running back in Pro Football Focus last year, which means something means something to the type of player he is. It doesn't mean everything, and I get that they probably want him to show it a little bit more, but to have a huge distinction between him and Saquon to me felt a little bit disrespectful. I understand Saquon is is a dual threat player. He won rookie of the year and all that. But if you look at the stats and how they grade elusiveness, like Nick Chubb was the second highest elusiveness rating back. And then in the video game, and I sound super petty right now. And I love Andre Andre Weingarten (laughs) who does the ratings. We've talked about this, but like his elusiveness rating is like behind Philip Lindsay. It's like 30th. It's like, come on. I mean, this guy, I know he doesn't, he doesn't make highlight reel like plays every the guy just makes people he's as sound as technically and fundamentally sound a running back as I have ever seen in a Browns uniform and maybe I don't know maybe he just he's just a solid he doesn't fumble he just does the right thing on every play he takes gains he doesn't take losses and he's just like the introvert man he's like it's just he's he's everything you want in a running back in the modern age and I think the Browns hit a home run with him that's a good take yeah if he's his personality sorry his personality, the one thing that always stick out to me is, is his introduction on Hard Knocks, which I, I'm i sure they're happy they're not doing Hard Knocks. I really wish they were doing Hard Knocks again. Like, I was just it was the coolest content for all those weeks. 
Um, but I am excited for the Raiders one. But him going to the airport and they were like, you're a football player? And he's like, yep. It's like, it's like, cool. It's like, where are you from? Like Georgia. And just like, just a regular guy. Like he just has this mindset. Just he goes out and he runs and he scores, he gains yards, which is a perfect uh, compliment to what the personalities they have with Baker, with Odell, with Jarvis, with even someone like Njoku, right? And I'm sure Kareem Hunt will probably be a little more reserved. And that's kind of, that's actually probably the biggest part of the hot take is that like once they had Kareem Hunt, like that may hurt Chubb just by default because of how many players they have. But uh, I, I, you're right. I, Chubb is like, the perfect complement to the rest of the personalities, and he balances things out so well. It's like Preacher Man in Friday Night Lights movie back in the day, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So okay, let's let's uh, let's that's good. Nick, Nick Chubb will have a bigger, and if he has a bigger impact than Baker, um, God, that would mean their offense is phenomenal. Keep keep going. What's your last one? This is tough. So, so the last one's tough because I, I I really want to go defense. Um. Let me think here for a second. Let me just I, – I had one in mind about Garrett, but I think Miles Garrett's a top out because Miles Garrett's so damn good. I think that this year – I think – you know what? We'll go with this. We'll go, I think Demarius Randall from your Pro Bowl started this year. Ooh. See, now we're getting into the territory of, like, all of these discussions about who they're going to re-sign, which because it does become fascinating. Like, they have all of these – Guys who are sort of, you know, you have your superstars, you have your Denzel, your your Miles, your Baker, your Odell, but then you sort of have to look at who are your middle class players that you're going to keep around, and they're going to have a conundrum between Higgins will be up for a contract, um, Joe Schobert will be up for a contract, Demarius Randall will be up for a contract, which way they go. I am a massive believer in... Demarius Randall, I believe he's he switched back to a position he hadn't touched in two years, essentially, uh, coming out of you know college out of Arizona State and going to Green Bay. Comes over here, can play corner in a pinch like he did against Tampa Bay, played it respectfully, but he's a good single-high deep safety, and he can do everything. He's excited about I talked to him at camp. He's excited about getting up closer to the line of scrimmage and doing some things there. If he's a pro bowler, though, I do fear, Jeff, that he will not be here anymore because he'll, he'll price himself out of Cleveland. Yeah, I, I would hate to lose someone like him because I, I, I mean, Randall is probably my favorite player on the defense. That's not a slight at and Miles Garrett by me, but I just, I, I love Demarius Randall. I love what he did last year. I just, I just utmost respect and shout out to Jabril Peppers just for the entire secondary because they went through so much last year. One with the ridiculousness of Greg Williams, who again, I'll shout out him as well. Thanks for keeping things together. But they had to deal with that, and they had to deal with so many injuries just left and right. I mean, Randall was one of the ones injured. They all had something. It was just, and they were all shifted around left and right. It started with Terrence Mitchell being injured. Denzel Ward had some early issues with the concussion that carried out later in the year. So I just respect that whole entire secondary, and, and, and Randall's kind of like, kind of my guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for his season. I would, I would hate to see him go, but I do think he's going to have a pretty big year. Well, I'm on Demarius Randall Island with you, and he wants to be here. You know, we've we've talked to him, and it hasn't been recorded, and. You know, he, he understands that the safety market has changed and guys are getting paid and he really wants to be in Cleveland. He loves the fan base and his time here. But like you said, if he if he has a year where, where he's very capable of having the Browns are winning and he's playing a fantastic safety position, they will vote him into the Pro Bowl and he could have an all-pro season. So um, I just think he's that talented. Those are your five hot takes. I like those. Those are those are fun. Um, we could have even gotten spicier. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my hot takes. I'm gonna write on some of those next week. Uh, but okay, I love those, okay. Jeffs. So uh, I, uh, before I let you go, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, not not a hot take, but I I do always and I brought them up 
very briefly, I do always, when I'm talking about the Browns and stuff, I like bringing up the fact that the biggest X factor on this team to me is Njoku because what he brings to the table now with a superstar receiver alongside Jarvis Landry, who's considered a, a mega star and will probably play better this year alongside Odell. Njoku's a, a freak at this position. And the potential for him this year, it, it's, it's kind of game-breaking potential. It really is. And I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying he's Rob Gronkowski. But if everything goes well, I think the thing that will result in a lot of it will be Njoku being one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And I think if the offense opens up, he's just, just look at it. Just like the, the flat help power. He definitely cured some of the drop problems throughout the season. He was a stud at the end. But I think if everything does work out, I would be shocked if Njoku being one of the top tight ends in the league is not one of those results. He also owns my uh, Avengers Infinity Gauntlet that he took from my desk at work. So it has to work out for him because I'm going to take credit for the team if they win because I gave him that thing. Yeah, I need him to incorporate it like under the field goal posts or something. That would be, that would be great, yeah. wouldn't it? He, he, he said he's in the locker room. I haven't asked any like the Browns fantastic social team, by the way, on Twitter. I'm going to ask if someone's like, hey, where, can you spot this thing? Where is this thing? Because he came and he asked for it, which is a bold move. It was a bold move asked me to take it, keep it. But I'm not going to say no because then if they lose all year, it's going to be because of me because I didn't give it to him. Well, it's like the 2016 team, Indians team, had the, the Joe Boo that went around the locker. Maybe maybe the Infinity yep. Gauntlet will be something that, that sparks the uh, sparks their fascination. That's great stuff. Um, and, yeah, Najoku, man, I, I you know, I, li- I like him. I think he can be phenomenal. It's a matter of how many targets he gets here. It's a lot. There's five, they have five guys who they can feed targets to, um, which is just crazy. That's why I think Bill Barnwell ranking them third is pretty pretty accurate, and I think they justifiably could have been the first overall so just in terms of skill position groups, and um, if Mayfield takes you know the next step, and if Mayfield is um, continuing to do his thing, which is throw to the open player within the scheme and don't force anything, I so I don't think the MVP step in year two for him is crazy at all because you've seen the trend over the last two years with year two quarterbacks Wentz and Goff and Mahomes. Man, like the trend is there; it's not going away. And nobody would make more sense as far as that trend goes than Mayfield, who had the best rookie season we've seen in a substantial amount of time. So, um, yeah, we've talked about it at nauseum, but I'm really excited to see what it all looks like on the field next week. It should be a packed house for camp, all of it, and uh, we look forward to it. So, um, last thing before I let you go, I need to know like 1 to 10. I'm going to ask you a couple movie questions because you're my go-to movie guy. I probably DM you yep. and text you too many times about these things. How excited are you 1 to 10 on Top Gun? Top Gun? I don't, are you I a 13 uh, or are you not into it? For, I mean, no. I mean, I, I love Top Gun. I, I don't have much of an opinion yet on it. Uh, it wasn't supposed to drop the trailer. Like there's, there was firm talk. They're like, no, they're not dropping a trailer. Paramount, I believe did the movie and they're like paramount doesn't do things like that as a, a twitter account trailer talk it's not even mine i'm just plugging it you should go follow if you like movie trailers they they give you a heads up on that so that was a shock that it came out so i haven't really processed it yet but it looked very cool so i, I am looking forward to it and it's not that i don't like top gun it just doesn't have the nostalgia grab for me so for a, a long-awaited sequel like yeah i'm looking forward to it but it's not up high on my list again however though it does look cool and tom cruise i'm fully bought in just based on the fact that he does all his own stunts and he learned how to fly planes. I, I hesitate to say fighter jets, because apparently he didn't actually fly real fighter jets, but he flew planes similar, which is still psycho. Um, and I'm a huge Mission Impossible fan, so I, that, that alone gets me 
I was I was more into it than I thought I would be. I'll leave it at that. Okay, I like that. What are your and this is a, this is a, I have two more movie questions. What are your two best movies you've seen this year? People have to see. No, Rocket Man. Um, that's my number really? one. Really? Uh, which is okay. surprising for some people because it's just it's it's a it's a musical biopic, and I spent a whole last year trashing Bohemian Rhapsody. But Rocket Man with the same director actually, even though the director came in from Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Rocket Man does something different than any musical biopic, and it, it makes it lavish and extravagant. It implements the music into the story being told. And if you like Elton, even if you don't like Elton John music, it just flies off the screen. Taron Egerton as Elton John is like it's Oscar worthy. He he really if Rami Malek won for for Freddie Mercury. Taron Egerton should win for Ellen John also because he sang everything too like he, he did all the vocals so it's just it was a mind-blowing movie for me I absolutely loved it and the, Matthew Vaughn is one of the producers and he did the two good X-Men movies or two of the good uh, first class and Days of Future Past he was kick-ass mm-hmm. and did Kingsman um, so he uh, loved that movie and then Midsummer is my number two uh, I think most people who if I suggested Rockman they'll like it Midsummer may not be the case very split down the middle divisive it's a messed up movie from Ari Aster. He did Hereditary last year. Uh, it's a really weird horror movie, like a Scandinavian horror movie, but with Americans uh, set in it. They travel uh, overseas. It's set in the daylight. So it's a horror movie primarily, mostly in the daylight, and it's just creepy. It's eerie. There's weird foreshadowing, and there's some messed up stuff. Like it's, it's a messed up horror movie. Um, I think Ari Aster is like a sick genius. So that, that's, my, that's my number two. Those are my, my top three movies. Also, there's a little movie called Avengers Endgame. If you know what you've seen, you should check it out. Well, that's where my next question goes, because I know you're obviously <laughs> giving Njoku the Infinity Gauntlet. You're a huge fan. I bug you about these all the time. Outside of Endgame, outside of Infinity War, what are your two best Marvel movies that have been made? Uh, two best, so... Uh, I'll, well, because technically it's cheating. Number one is a tie for me. Because uh, it's Infinity War and it's, it's Endgame. Um, I, I just I'll basically view them as one movie. So I'll say after that, it's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, then it's Iron Man. Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man. Yeah, I love those. I mean, obviously, the start of it is great. But I will say, Spider-Man, Far From Home, very surprisingly good. I, I don't know. What would you think? Jake Gyllenhaal, that's my guy. Um, oh, Mysterio cool is a cool character. It, it really sets up the next phase, which is being announced uh, at Comic Con. The next phase of movies—they're gonna—they're gonna show off that big timeline for the first time in like like five or six years. They show what's coming out over the course of the next five or six years down the road in the future. So, uh, yeah, I was I, wondering I, because I fan. yeah pumped. I, I was noticing that there weren't very many, um, at least publicly known dates for some of these that were coming out soon. So that's fascinating. I saw that Thor four whatever is has sort of been announced in a way too. So. Fascinating stuff. Follow Jeff for all of the movie tidbits. There's nobody better to give you information about movies, reviews them. We'll, uh, we'll answer all your questions on them, at least if you're a Browns fan. And uh, has great Browns takes, too. Talks about the games, writes about the games. And uh, very knowledgeable guy. And we'll give you guys some great insight over at Barstool. Again, Jeff, my man, this is not the end of our talks. We'll have many of these throughout the year. But I thank you for taking 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 about 10, 15, 20. This has turned into a 30-minute pod. Taking 30 minutes for me, brother. I appreciate you. Easy, e- easy 30. And thanks to you because, hey, I, I can't write any of that without your stuff. You, you're the best stuff in the game. Everyone knows that. So I, I appreciate it. All right, brother. I appreciate you. And um, I appreciate everybody listening. We will be back 
later. Uh, well, I'll probably do something Thursday, Friday night, something like that next week for you guys. I'll be at camp. Uh, try to get you some insights as to what's going on there. If you haven't seen all the stuff on Twitter already, but whatever. Keep reviewing us. Keep giving us five stars. Brownsman Breakdown. Listen to more Blue Wire podcasts. They're out there. All the teams are being covered. Um, you know, it's just great stuff going on at Blue Wire. I appreciate you guys listening. We, like I said, we'll be back late next week, uh, giving you some training camp insights. We're here. It's almost here. We're close. Next week, we get a real action Browns film breakdown that involves 2019 collective team on the field in front of the fans. I'm pumped. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.